It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Gotta be feeling good about what Mike White's done today. On third and four, he'll look to throw. In zone, no! Touchdown, Jets! Mike White, how about him? Elijah Moore, the 20, the 10, the 5, touchdown. Allen has time. Intercepted. Sauce Gardner's got it. Breaking away, Garrett Wilson. Wilson, a big play downfield. Wilson's still going along the sideline. He's not going to go down. Allen tripped up. He could not get past Jermaine Johnson. Oh, look at the speed of Brees Hall. He's done it again. Brees Lightning, 62 yards for the touchdown. Rodgers in trouble again, and he's sacked again by Quinn and Williams. What a beast, number 95 for the Jets. Listen, thank you. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And it's time for some breaking news. The Jets players and the coaches and even Joe Douglas met the media today. This will be the last time for a while. It's very possible that Woody Johnson will speak sometime this week. And so we'll talk about that when it happens. But this will be the last time that the press gets access to a lot of these guys for a while. So to break everything down, we have the lead reporter and co-founder of JetsXFactor.com, our friend, the leader of the Sabaholics, Mr. Robbie Sabo. Robbie, what's up, brother? What's up, Scotty? Uh, how's everything on this glorious uh, Black Monday? It's a lot more glorious for Robert Sala than it is for somebody like Lovey Smith, I can tell you that much, because unfortunately, Lovey Smith and, of course, Cliff Kingsbury out the door Robert Sala, we assume, unless something unexpected happens, will be here in 2023. Will the other members of his staff be here? We're going to get to that in a little bit. Let's start with Quinn and Williams, though. The major news out of this press conference, to me, was surrounding Quinn and Williams because everybody's going to say what they're going to say, and we can parse words. But Quinn and Williams came straight out and said that if he doesn't have a new contract by April, he is going to skip the offseason voluntary workouts. He says he believes he did everything right on and off the field. He deserves a new contract. He did his homework, too, either him or somebody around him, because he said he's confident that Joe Douglas and Robert Sala will do right by him. But he did note that these guys were all drafted in the first round before him and did not get a second contract with the Jets. Sam Darnold, Jamal Adams, Darren Lee, Leonard Williams, Dean Milner, Sheldon Richardson, Calvin Pryor, Quentin Copels, last guy to get a second deal was Muhammad Wilkerson, who was a dominant player. But unfortunately, after the contract extension, it didn't really work out. If you're looking at that list, though, to be fair, Jamal Adams, Leonard Williams, and maybe Sheldon Richardson are guys that would have been worth signing to a second contract. The rest of those guys, you wouldn't have signed to a second contract. But it's interesting here, Robbie. Quinn Williams was asked about this, and he put his cards right out on the table and said he wants his new contract. He wants it now. This isn't some game playing like Jamal Adams where he's back channeling or feeding information to his sources or clandestinely pretending to be mad when the Jets pick up the phone about a trade offer when he has his friend go on national television and basically beg the Cowboys to call the Jets. This is Quinn and Williams saying quite plainly out in the open, pay me or I'm not showing up in April. Now, that doesn't mean he's going to hold out necessarily. It just means that he's not going to show up to the voluntary workouts. I respect this. Look, Quentin Williams is 24 years old. He's an elite player. He's coming up on a new contract. And the NFL stands for not for long, as they say. These careers can end in an instant. We've seen it many, many times. He wants to strike while the iron is hot. And there's no reason for any Jets fan to be upset by this. 
I 100% think that the Jets should pay him, and I think that they're going to work something out with him. I don't think this is going to be a Jamal Adams situation. I think the Jets realize that unlike Jamal Adams, who's a great player but could obviously be replaced, I think Quinton Williams is in a much higher tier because of the fact that he can get to the quarterback at an elite level from the interior. And, of course, he's a great run stuffer too, which helps. But the fact that he can be an elite pass rusher from the inside Something that only about five guys in the NFL at most can claim means that he is an irreplaceable part. And I think Joe Douglas knows that. I would suspect that something gets done before April. I would too. And I agree. I respect it as well. And mainly for this, there was not a peep about this during the season. You know, Mm -hmm. during the season, there wasn't a peep. He didn't make a big deal out of it, didn't mention it, you know, unless I'm overlooking something, but I don't think I am. Mm-hmm. And on the very first day of the offseason, basically, for all intents and purposes, he, he laid his cards on the table and showed his hand, you know, and no sneaky stuff, he, all right to the public. I think it's good counsel uh, via his agency. And, you know, a couple of things come to mind. I, could I understand the rare fan who might get nervous about handing Quinn in a big contract? I can understand it. But I think he's proven enough to be beyond that. You know, this is not a Mo Wilkerson situation or personality. I don't think he'd ever get to that point where he dogs it in a second contract. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing is, you know, this regime didn't draft Q. You know, we kind of forget at times that he was not drafted by Salon Douglas. However, I don't think it matters. He's that damn important. He's been that good. And, and it's one of those situations where you can't chance walking on this guy. So I do think they'll shell out the money for them. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Just for reference note, the highest paid interior defensive lineman in the NFL is Aaron Donald at $31.7 million. Big gap between him and the next guy, which would be Leonard Williams at $21 million, which is ironic because he was on that list that we just talked about of guys the Jets drafted in the first round but didn't extend. Biggest guarantees, Donald at $46.5 million, Leonard Williams at $45 million, and DeForest Buckner, Robert Sala's old friend, at $39.4 million. If I were to guess, I would think that Quinn and Williams probably gets a little bit more than Leonard Williams, who's making $21 million per. I don't think he's going to get anywhere near Aaron Donald. But as far as the guaranteed money, I think he might top Aaron Donald. You might be looking at somewhere in that 47 to $50 million range. I agree. Uh, that's exactly what I was going to say. More than Leonard Williams for sure, but nowhere near Donald's. He just, he's a special guy. I think Q will never get, uh, you know, never feel slighted by such a thing. Um, it was a rare, rare example with Donald. 
that doesn't mean you know his agency's not going to start there, but uh, I think you're right on the money there with those uh, with those numbers. Mike White talked to the press today. He said there's mutual interest between him and the Jets as far as a return for next season, but things can change very quickly in the NFL. I think the Jets would probably like to bring Mike White back as the backup. I don't see him as a presumed starter in 2023, but he showed his toughness. The staff likes him. His teammates like him. He's shown he can capably run the offense that the Jets have in place right now, and there's value in that. But, of course, it's all going to come down to money. I don't think he's going to get paid anywhere near the amount of money that a lot of Jets fans seem to think right now. I don't know that Mike White's value is anywhere near what a lot of Jets fans think it is. Remember, Teddy Bridgewater gets $6.5 million. He's what you'd consider a high-end backup, and he's got a much longer and more decorated resume than Mike White. I think if Mike White comes back, you're probably looking at something closer to around 4 or $5 million, which isn't a bad deal for him, and it's not an insane amount for a backup quarterback that you trust to come in if you need him to get you through a couple of games. The, the intrigue on White's going to be there across the league, but unfortunately for him, he didn't accomplish the one thing he needed to accomplish, and that was to stay healthy. Mm-hmm. You know, no, matter, no matter how it happens, and it happened against Buffalo, um, you know, some will say the offensive line killed him. I, I don't really agree with that. I think it was more of his fearlessness and, and his team-oriented mind that hurt him in the end. And people are going to spot that and, and, you know, give him a round of applause. But still, he couldn't get hurt once he got that job because we saw it last year and that was the one thing that couldn't happen and yet it happened. And that's going to hurt his value tremendously, I believe, this offseason. Speaking of the offensive line, Makai Becton and Elijah Vera Tucker spoke to the press for the first time in quite a while. Becton noted that he's, quote, real skinny and has lost a lot of weight during his knee rehab. If you see the pictures, he looks incredibly lean. If I didn't know any better, I would say there's no way he's more than about 330, 340, which for Becton is actually pretty slender. Elijah Vera Tucker said that he's very confident he will be ready for training camp. And Brees Hall was there, too. He talked about his injury progress, said that he's way ahead of schedule. Look, Robbie, I talked about this on Twitter, and there's been a lot of discussion about this, but really we can pinpoint a bunch of different moments in the Jets' 2022 season. Their hopes of a playoff berth, realistically, when you look back, died on a sad day in October in Denver when both Elijah Vera Tucker and Brees Hall went out for the season. Brees Hall with Elijah Vera Tucker in front of him blocking was a deadly combination They were able to mask a lot of deficiencies on this Jets team. And once Brees Hall was gone, and of course, once Elijah Vera Tucker was gone too, a lot of those weaknesses were no longer hidden. The Jets weren't able to do the same thing with Zach Wilson that they had been doing, let the running game carry the day, and only ask Zach Wilson to step up and make plays when he had to. Unfortunately, once they had to put the ball in Zach Wilson's hands more often, that's when the mistakes started coming. That's when the yips hit. And that's when things really start to go south, not just for Zach Wilson, but also for the Jets as a team this year. I still believe that if Elijah Vera Tucker and Brees Hall had stayed healthy the rest of the year, the Jets would have made the playoffs. All they would have needed is two more wins. I think they probably would have beaten the Patriots twice because both games were so close, especially that second one when the Jets only scored three points. With Brees Hall, I'm fairly confident that they would have done better than that. So I think... If you get back a healthy Elijah Vera Tucker, a healthy Makai Becton, and obviously a healthy Brees Hall, a much different picture 
in 2023. But those are all big question marks right now. It is nice to hear, though, that Brees all said he's ahead of schedule, that Elijah Vera Tucker is very confident that he'll be ready for training camp. And Mekhi Becton, it's great to see with him that he seems to be in tremendous shape. Den, that Denver game was one of those things, man. You know, I was there for that trip, and they won to go to 5-2, and two, but the feeling you had, you knew Brees was done right away. We didn't know about ABT until the next day, uh, but that sinking feeling, I mean, and I, me and you discussed it, you know, shortly thereafter. We didn't have a good feeling the rest of the, the way this season. Yet they come away with that huge victory against the Bills. They, they did some nice things. AVT masked so much, like you said. He was the Band-Aid. You know, I called him the Jets' best player prior to the season. I think Sauce is that now. He's, he's proven that for sure. AVT still might be their heart and soul in a lot of ways in terms of leadership, definitely on offense. It's so infuriating that they miss the playoffs because of the talent, because of the upside. Look at this team with the upside. There are so many stud building blocks. You got AVT, Garrett Wilson on the offense. You got Sauce and Q on the defense. And then Mekhi Becton showing up in, in shape. I mean, could you imagine if this guy actually keeps this weight going into training camp and, and he stays healthy? There's so much upside here that it's – it's optimistic. It's exciting. Yet it's that much, you know. It's it, you have every reason to be that much more infuriated by what happened. I don't know that I would agree with you, Robbie, about Sauce being the best player in the Jets. I think that title might go to Quinn and Williams and Quincy Williams. Quinn's brother clearly agrees. He was wearing a Quinn and Williams shirt when he met the press today. He's an impending free agent. It'll be interesting to see what happens with him because he's maddening. There are some really nice plays that he makes, some real highlight, real plays, really flashes on tape. But then there are a lot of fundamental issues with him, a lot of basic stuff he still does wrong. He's one of those guys that if you can get him to his ceiling, he can be really good. But the question is, is he capable of hitting that ceiling? And what's the realistic ceiling at this point based on his level of experience? Also, Robbie, by the way, while he was there, he did take the time to mention that that horse collar penalty that was called on him against the Dolphins was bogus. Have to agree with that. Ultimately, it really doesn't matter because who cares? The game doesn't mean anything in the long run, but it was a BS call. It was. Um, yeah, first of all, I would never quibble with anyone who takes Q as the mo- as the best player. Very close between Q and Sauce, but Quincy, his brother, he, man, he made a lot of good strides this year. He really did. A lot of fans were tough on him last year. They loved the excitement, but he could be, you know, he could be over aggressive. He could overrun plays. He could not break down. He could, you know, do do certain things. He scares me sometimes too when he ducks his head and puts his face mask to the ground. I want to keep want him to keep his head up for his own safety. But, um, you know, he made great strides, and you know, he's definitely someone I like having in the locker room if I'm Salah, and I want to keep around as long as I can. Speaking of Sauce Gardner, we heard from him. He said he loves that the fan base truly appreciates his swagger. Quote, I'm what New York needed. Sure is. It's funny, Robbie. Sauce is everything that Jamal Adams held himself out to be but never actually was. Sauce is just a guy who loves football. And yeah, he'll be active on social media, but he doesn't really get involved in the feuds or really clowning people. He'll just tweet out stuff about how much he loves the game and how good he thinks he is and how confident he is and all of that. He truly seems to appreciate the Jets fans. So I really enjoy hearing from him all the time, and I think he's going to be a fixture here for a really long time. Garrett Wilson, another player in that category, he spoke 
He said there's no excuse for the Jets' offensive collapse, adding that maybe opponents had a feel for what the Jets were doing. That is not an endorsement for Mike LaFleur. And by the way, if you've seen that video of Tariq Woolen on the Seahawks' sideline basically diagnosing what the Jets were doing the entire game, it sort of goes to Garrett Wilson's point because the Seahawks were two steps ahead of the Jets every single moment of that game. Wilson also said as far as the losing streak goes, it can't happen again. It can never happen again. Well said by Garrett Wilson. I know that Garrett Wilson and Sauce Gardner were both top 10 picks, so there's an expectation that comes with that. But for the two of them to be as good as they were in their rookie seasons, Sauce had a historic rookie season for a cornerback, and you can make a credible case he's already the best cornerback in the league. Garrett Wilson had 1,100 yards with some of the worst quarterback play in the NFL. He appears to have all-pro potential. You can be as upset about the 2022 Jets season as you want. We all are. At this point, it was very disappointing. But having Garrett Wilson and Sauce Gardner and knowing that they're going to be here for a lengthy period of time is something to be very excited about. Yeah, I'm glad Atlanta took London because I wanted Garrett Wilson. He's just so smooth as a route runner. And his yak surprised me this year. I mean, I know he was he could be explosive in terms of yak, but some of the strides he he doesn't even he gets ahead of himself in terms of how he how he gets yards after the catch. It's so far ahead of himself and so quick that sometimes he stumbles. It's incredible, mm-hmm. and I think it's gonna he's gonna round that out in year two at this level. Uh, Sauce is right. That's a hell of a quote. It, he is exactly what this city what this team needed. And interesting when you compare him and Jamal Adams, there are some similarities there. But I think the thing that Sauce has that Jamal doesn't is Sauce knows who he is. Mm-hmm. He, he's honest with himself. He, he knows who he is. He's not trying to be anyone else. He's goofy. He's fun-loving. And by all outward appearances, Jamal was as well, but it wasn't authentic in every way. You know, there were, there were jabs. There were, there were, you know, he felt slighted. There was... You know, unhappiness and sauce. He's just a, a goofy guy who loves football, who works hard and plays his video games, you know, and it's a, it's a really good thing. Don't undersell that, you know, that goofy laughable persona in the locker room on a team is a really good thing. And it, that's what sauce is. Robbie, like I said, sauce is everything that Jamal Adams held himself out to be, but never was. And I like right. the way you put it. There's an authenticity with sauce that just doesn't exist with Jamal Adams. And if you go back and talk to people that have been around him in high school and college and now in the pros, you really start to understand that Sauce Gardner is very comfortable with who he is. Yes, he's confident, bordering on cocky, but not in that phony kind of way like we saw with Jamal Adams. So it's refreshing to have him here. Zach Wilson spoke. He said that if the Jets bring in a veteran quarterback, that he will make that dude's life hell in training camp trying to win the job. That's the right attitude to have. But, of course, the Jets are going to bring in a veteran quarterback. I don't know who it's going to be yet. We have our suspicions, obviously, the two guys at the top of any list in terms of realistic available options would be Derek Carr and Jimmy Garoppolo. If either one of those guys comes in, barring injury, you would assume that they start the season in 2023 at quarterback. But, of course, especially with Jimmy Garoppolo, if Zach Wilson plays well in training camp and then in practice, he'll have an opportunity to get back in the lineup because if the Jets sign Jimmy Garoppolo as much as we'll try our best to talk ourselves into the fact that he can stay healthy, odds are he probably wouldn't be able to and Wilson would get another chance. So 
it's nice to see that fiery competitor in Zach Wilson come out here. We'll see how he truly handles it when the Jets go out and bring in a new presumed starter for 2023. Yeah, nothing to hate there. I mean, show that fire. Do your thing. Take some time off. Get back to work. Um, and stay healthy. You know, sort of like Mike White. It's two years in a row now where Zach Wilson's been healthy. And Jets fans are used to it with Sam Darnold before that. The, the beat just keeps going on and on. So nothing to complain about there with Zach. He's just got to, you know, clear the cobwebs out of his head and, and turn the page and start fresh. Robert Salas spoke. He said as far as the offensive collapse, there was volatility with injuries. Noted that he wasn't using that as an excuse. The coaching has to be better. He is, however, really excited about the young core, which, of course, would include Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson. Salas said that Zach Wilson will have a chance to compete, but stopped short of saying that Wilson will be the starter in 2023. I think it's fairly obvious that the Jets are not going to count on Zach Wilson to be the starter in 2023, whether he's here or not. Salas said he expects Wilson to take a jump in year three, expects a tremendous amount of growth. On how much the offensive struggles were on Michael LaFleur, quote, it always falls on the coach, including me. Salas said, the last few weeks were, quote, a tremendous learning experience, although it stings they didn't get in. Goal for 2023 is to finish. That's why he gave everybody a shirt that says finish on it. I get where he's going with that, but I don't think it's what Jets fans want to hear. No one's really all that interested in a learning experience. Ultimately, Jets fans just want to see this team make the playoffs, which they have not done in 12 years. Salas said he's definitely looking to hire a senior offensive assistant, somebody to replace Greg Knapp said he didn't replace Knapp or Kavanaugh this season because he wanted to, quote, quiet the quarterback room, meaning there were too many voices in 2021. That's not a good indication for Mike LaFleur because that means that he was relying a lot on LaFleur, and we saw what happened with the results. Robbie, you and I were talking before we started recording. Credit to Greg Rosenthal of Around the NFL, who pointed out that the Jets didn't have a touchdown in their last 33 offensive drives. I know that there are some reasons why beyond LaFleur, but that is just unacceptable. And as far as hiring a senior offensive assistant, I'll simply say this. If the Jets want to get rid of Calabrese and bring in a quarterback guru, somebody with a lot of experience who can help there and maybe work with Wilson and whichever veteran they bring in, that's fine. But if you're going to bring in another glorified offensive coordinator to basically be a co-offensive coordinator with Mike LaFleur, which is what this sounds like, then maybe it's just time to move on from Mike LaFleur. It's it's a shame that the tragedy that happened with Greg Knapp, and that's number one. Um, but number two, you know, when they brought in Kavanaugh and Beck last year, the offense trended upward. Uh, so that mixed with the fact that Solid didn't bring them back because he wanted to quiet the QB room. You know, you could interpret that in a way that, you're right, is terrible for the floor because you could interpret that in a way in which – Salah is siding with the floor, you know, putting all of his eggs in the in the the floor Calabrese ba- uh, basket, and it just is not working out. So, if that's the case, where you know he wanted to quiet the room and thought all things were a go, you know, full steam ahead, and, and it's just not working out, it's not good. Um, and I agree with you. I do. I do think they need experience on that offensive side, but. Where does that leave Lafleur? And the other thing, I tip the I tip my cap to the Jets PR team and you know Joe Douglas especially this front office this regime because you know a couple reports and everyone's already talking as if Zach Wilson's a shoo-in to return to the Jets. I mean mm-hmm. he could still get 
get traded, folks. He could absolutely still get traded. Uh, could the reports be true where he's not going anywhere? Of course. And is it the smart way to play it where you're going to say you're going to keep them and develop them? 100%. Mm-hmm. Because you don't want teams thinking you're shopping them and you have to trade them. But, you know, tip of the cap on that front as well. Robbie, speaking of the PR staff and Joe Douglas, Joe Douglas spoke today as well. He said it was a surreal last three to four months, but there's still a lot of work to be done on meaningful games in December. Quote, when you get to December at seven and four, the target changes. Absolutely correct. I've been saying that for a while. You can say that you just want the Jets to get to December and have meaningful games. And on paper, that's a noble goal. But once you get to that point, you've got to adjust the expectations because a lot of these players were better than people expected them to be this year. Quinn and Williams evolved into a superstar. Sauce Gardner was outstanding his rookie year, much better than anybody could have expected. Brees Hall was awesome until he got hurt. Garrett Wilson was already a star. Those are all things that accelerated the expectations, so I'm glad that Joe Douglas understands that. Joe Douglas on Zach Wilson said he doesn't want the Jets to be a franchise that gives up on talent early. As far as Wilson potentially being the 2023 starter, said that's not his call. That's Robert Sala's decision. Did say that he won't rule out anything as far as upgrading the roster. He'll explore every avenue, including potentially adding a veteran quarterback. Douglas did say that the organization still believes in Zach Wilson. As far as the benching of Wilson to go to Mike White after that second New England game, Douglas said that Sala explained his decision to him and that he was fully on board with what Robert Sala wanted to do. As far as Quinton Williams' contract demand, Joe Douglas said he knows Quinton Williams is a big part of the Jets' defensive success, and the front office will come up with, quote, a very good plan with regard to potential negotiations. Douglas was asked about Salah's performance. He said a lot of curveballs were thrown Salah's way. He thought Salah did a good job with the staff. His final message to the team was unbelievable. Said he loves Salah and the passion he brings. Also, final note, the Jets signed seven players to reserve futures contracts, including Chris Strebler, also offensive lineman Chris Glazer, defensive back Craig James, defensive back Jimmy Moreland, defensive lineman Marcus Spencer, linebacker Chaz Surratt, and wide receiver Malik Taylor. So, Robbie, basically the deal there with Joe Douglas is if you take him at face value, the Jets are looking to hang on to Zach Wilson in 2023 and hopefully develop him into the player they wanted him to be. But as you noted, they very well could be bluffing and this could all be a smokescreen for a possible trade. We'll wait and see. It appears that Robert Sala is safe for now, unless something unforeseen happens. Beyond that, all Joe Douglas was really saying is that the expectations have changed. I think he understands, and so does Robert Sala, that it's playoffs or bust next season. They will get a veteran quarterback. He will, quote, compete with Zach Wilson if Zach Wilson is still here. But let's be real. The caliber of quarterback that they would bring in as a veteran is not really going to be in a competition with Zach Wilson, even if, in theory, there's a competition. You're not bringing in Jimmy Garoppolo or Derek Carr or somebody like that to compete with anybody. Correct. And I think that's the way the wind is blowing. They got to get a proven guy. And the good news is, hey, they have a load of talent on this team. And their salary cap situation is going to be in a better spot with a lot of the cap casualties that are going to happen uh, with this roster. So you could afford, you know, dishing out some money to Mike White and or, you know, a car and and eating up a chunk of the cap with that veteran quarterback room. So I'm with you on that. And the second part is it still amazes me that Joe Douglas, you know, for all intents and purposes, is still a young GM in this league. Uh, 
this is the New York market and he rarely misspeaks or missteps or makes a mistake or angers anyone or has a leak in the building that, you know, allows everyone to say, ha, ah, the circus is back in town. So it amazes me in that regard. And is it frustrating that they, you know, blew up this year and didn't make the playoffs? Sure. But it's not for a lack of talent. He's got to figure out the quarterback situation, the injuries, and the coaching. And I'm not talking about Salah. I'm talking about offensive coaching. I'm talking about as a whole, the final pieces, the, you know, the full um, puzzle, you know, figuring that out. So once he does that, you know, I think they're on their way. So, but uh, think about that from a Douglas perspective. It, it's about relationships at that level in the hierarchy in the NFL. And he handles it extremely well. Robbie Sabo, co-founder and lead reporter over at JetsXFactor.com. And of course, above that, it's the fact that he's the leader of the Sableholics. Thanks so much for coming on and breaking down the end of your press conferences with me. Really appreciate it. Everybody that isn't a subscriber to JetsXFactor.com, you're missing out on some 11-hour, 55-minute film reviews from my buddy Joe Blewett, a lot of other great content, and the opportunity to get yourself a signed 8x10 by a certain wide receiver who used to wear the number 80. The mayor of Garfield, Wayne Corbett. Go to uh, JetsXFactor.com. All that good stuff is there. Make sure you check out everything Robbie and his guys have up over at JetsXFactor.com. Check out everything we have at PlayLikeAJet.com and the PlayLikeAJet YouTube channel. Some great written content at PlayLikeAJet.com. Awesome All-22 breakdowns. So watch our videos and subscribe if you haven't already. YouTube.com slash PlayLikeJet. Is there a store? Tpublic.com. That's T-E-E-Public.com. We've got the John Franklin Myers, Quentin Williams, Bless You, Thank You shirt. The Play Like a Jet logo shirt, caps, mugs, hoodies. It's all there. Tpublic.com. That's T-E-E-Public.com. And be sure to give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes if you haven't done that already. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you can go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and playlikeajet.com.